how are you? It's time to talk about football, and this is the podcast Tika and Ringo talking about football. And I'm a, as well, and always I said, I'm Paola Alvarado. I'm a former player from Costa Rica, and I'm with my friend Bradley. How are you? I'm good. Uh, as you know, I'm my name's Brad, uh, and today we're talking about uh, CONCACAF. So CONCACAF was uh, created just about 60 years ago and has about 40, 41 members uh, spanning from Canada all the way down to Suriname. So we're excited to talk about it today. Awesome. And as always, we said we want to change uh, our environment and how we can do that. It's uh, changing or, or thinking outside the box. And that is the reason that we have our guest, Derek Canavaggio. I don't know if that I can say <laughs> Awesome. He's a project coordinator in North and Central America at FIFA. How are you? And thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm doing quite well. No, thank you guys uh, for the opportunity to be here. I think it's going to be a, a great opportunity to let people hear about CONCACAF and learn about the differences uh, being made in the area. Awesome. I'm going to start um, with a little introduction, introduction, maybe you can, I already know, and I already know why Bradley is doing this project or why we're studying um, a master to change our environment. But what was your reason to start doing uh, business or projects uh, in this area? Um, I guess like almost anybody, soccer is, is a passion that starts when you're in your youth. Um, and that's basically uh, how it began. I did soccer or football majority of my life. Uh, I went on to, to do it a lot here in Panama at an older level. That gave me the opportunity to share with professional players at the time. Um, in school, I chose to pursue uh, marketing, um, but my school had the opportunity to have a minor in sports management, which caught my attention. And uh, that's basically where I began studying the program. I didn't know if I was going to work in sport at the moment when I graduated from school. Um, it was something that I kind of stumbled into because um, World Cup qualifiers were starting back in 2012 for Panama. Uh, it was the first time we were participating in the longer version because we were knocked out very, very early for the 2010 South Africa World Cup. So this was, you know, the country getting football back for the first time in five years. Um, and I came on to look at a little bit of their strategic development and strategic plan. And that's basically how I ended up in, in football. Awesome. Uh, okay, so one of my first uh, questions that I'm gonna put in the table, right? It's like, how do you think uh, the support for FIFA it's getting better CONCACAF? I know like uh, CONCACAF had like a difficult, uh, moments, right? And mm -hmm. a lot of people can believe like the work they were they were doing it was good. But I think Concacaf is doing like a different structure, and it's because also organization like FIFA that it's very important. It's giving more importance and giving more opportunities to grow. Well, now that you mentioned that, um, we actually work in a program called uh, FIFA Forward. And it's a project or a program developed by Gianni Infantino, which sees uh, all 211 member associations receive a grant from FIFA um, to basically implement in projects and developments and other areas. So 
what we've been able to do with this program, and we can get into, get into more detail later on if you'd like, is basically give member associations in the region that, that probably didn't have uh, the funds to develop things the opportunity to do so. So to, to put it into terms, um, each one of our federations gets approximately $6 million a year, um, some of which go to operating funds and the other which go to project funds. Um, and then through this, they are able to implement different projects and development, whether it be infrastructure, uh, leagues, um, capacity building, and other sorts. So what FIFA has really done is, is we've tried to arm our federations with the opportunity to grow themselves um, with our guidance. And how do you how do you view um, how do you work with let's say traditional uh, soccer nations in CONCACAF versus I'd say like non-traditional soccer nations? What would you mean? Like, give me a give me an example. I, so I uh, maybe like someone I mean from like Mexico being always mm -hmm. present to let's say uh maybe like uh one of uh, uh some of the the caribbean nations that might not right. probably so be. i think the differences there i guess is, is obviously economical population mexico is a, it's a superpower let's face it you know they've been playing football for so long their population allows for it um the caribbean you know it's it's growing impressively and we've seen them in their performance in the gold cup and the performance in the qualifiers leading up to this final round um and a lot of it has to do with the money that's being given to them through fifa through things like that they're allowing them to grow their infrastructure create better opportunities for their players uh, nationally so so all that goes hand in hand i think more than anything the gap is closing quicker than imagined yeah, and that was one of the conversations that we had because we always talk about boys and, and girls, right? It's, it's about football. When one business grows, the other one is going to grow too. And it's impressive how, for example, Jamaica, uh, it's doing very good with the women's and it's mm -hmm. something, uh, and also with the boys. And it's something, um, and that was one of my questions. Um, in the last, five years what happened like what what is the difference like all these countries are doing better i know like it's also the organization the national organization but i, I was wondering if these projects that you said uh fifa is doing okay we're gonna introduce these projects or we're gonna do more um workshops with with the people or is something that is individual it's something like together or yeah it's it's completely together so um we have opened i'll give you a little bit more information on the program i think that'll be that that'll be the best approach um so the program began in 2016 um as i said with johnny infantino they opened 11 regional offices around the world so there are 11 uh different fifa offices in the world to be able to um i think how do i say this globally expand and give our give our member associations a personal trait. So we have an office here in Panama, one in Barbados, one in Paraguay, three in Africa, which is in Johannesburg, uh, Dakar, and if I'm not mistaken, Ethiopia is the last one. Um, we obviously have our offices in Zurich that handles the European region. We have an office in Dubai, an office in Auckland, and an office in Indonesia. So what we've done is we strategically placed these offices to manage each cluster of federations. 
So our office actually manages um, UNCAF, our region, which is the seven members of Central America, and then NORCAF, which is uh, Mexico, USA, and Canada, plus the three Spanish-speaking countries of the Caribbean. So that's, that's our pod of nations that we manage with our program. The Barbados office manages the Caribbean, and then Asuncion obviously manages Colmebol and so on and so forth. Um, basically, what our project does is we sit down with the member associations and we establish um, a strategic development plan for them. We help them with their mission, vision, and basically create a roadmap of how their projects are going to help them achieve their vision of a federation. Um, I think a great example is, is Costa Rica. Um, they're a federation that we, we admire a lot in the region because of the way they, they are very professional. Their growth has been seen in the last decade. You can see it with their complex, with the way they perform. So it's very impressive to have somebody like Costa Rica come and say, this is what we want to do for the next four years. This is our plan. And these are all the projects we want to implement. And, and Derek, this, that is the, the perfect example that soccer is not just the game, right? That no, of, not at all. And, and that is one of the reasons also that we make this podcast, because we have to know more than the game, that the things that people see uh, and people have to know that you have to, to work hard, like a project manager, like a person who is studying business and it's not only focus, like bring the best players. If you have the best players, but you don't have the best organization, it's not gonna complement good or at the same. Vice versa. Uh, organization, but you don't have a good players, you're not gonna do anything. So I think it's very important that if soccer, football, basketball, whatever sports that you want to, to, to know, it's, it's a process. And I see that process. I see when uh, Projecto Gol was a start, right? And I was like so frustrated because when I started playing, I was in the first step, right? When I see the, the field and it was like, When I gonna see the hotel? When I gonna see the soda? When I gonna see oh, the- Oh, just wait. We have, you have no idea what's coming. <laughs> no, no, no. I already know about what is coming for the girls, but in yeah, the- Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm working on that. That's yeah. uh, something I'm working on. Yeah, Diego already talked with us about that. But at the beginning, I was so frustrated like a player that this is yeah. not coming, this is not coming. <laughs> And now that I'm in the other side and say like, oh, now I understand what was happening, right? It takes, it takes a while to get there. But it's something that it's important to talk about it, right? Well, you, something we always do since we're very infrastructure oriented uh, with these projects because we want to bring everyone up to uh, level is we always talk about Costa Rica has a, uh, a maqueta, I guess a model is, is what it would be um, in the lobby of their building. And it's a model of the whole complex, the whole thing. And that model was made, I think maybe 15 years ago. And you look at the actual structure, you look at the actual building today, it's the same thing. Yeah. But so, was... so what they decided 15 years ago, they've done. Yeah, but I was like 15 years ago, I was like, what is the place? Yeah. <laughs> So that shows you that regardless of who was running the Federation, regardless of what president was in, what executive committee, they knew what the plan was for Costa Rican football. And everyone has gone down that road. So that's why I think it's very important 
or that's why it's been so important for these programs for other smaller federations to professionalize them and help them realize that you know with a good strategic development with good strategic plan things can be accomplished how is i mean i remember hearing about something with the 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 fifa pro, uh, program helping out honduras and creating their new um youth development um uh complex how how is how is that uh work so we we put together a small youth stadium in um the city of tegucigalpa so originally the the federation owns this this whole plot of land where they have a, a full-size 11 football pitch the coaching offices and then there was this little corner that was a dirt pitch, basically. And what we did is we went in there, we put together uh, a synthetic court, locker rooms, and that is only used exclusively by the Federation for development leagues. So you will only find under 12 leagues being played there, whether it be unisex, women's, or boys. So they've basically created one place to concentrate the clubs and their youth programs with proper dimensions, proper needs and necessities to help develop the game. And how has, have you started to see some, I mean, I know it's, it's a fairly recent project, but have yeah. you started to see some kind of, uh, uh, um... I think we'll start seeing the fruit of certain projects, <laughs> maybe a little, a little later. Um, I'd like to say that federations that are maybe building or improving their technical centers at a senior level, we're going to see, um, more of an impact quicker, I think, um, in that sense, I think that it's going to be really interesting to watch uh, the hexagonal round that's coming. I mean, the octagonal round that's coming up, um, because obviously, like for example, El Salvador is staying at their complex. We just they just built a brand new hotel and things like that. So we'll see how those things go. You know, we can maybe directly attribute it to that. <laughs> it's it's very interesting how all the conversations that we had with all the people in the in this. Uh, podcast we always finish talking about the infrastructure right like we always like but it's interesting how it's one of the weakness that we have in this area and i'm very happy like now it's not just CONCACAF trying to help the federations it's also uh all all these ideas that you have about the project um that we have there one of my question that i had has thinking was like, what is one of the weakness that we have in this confederation? But I'm gonna change it in this. Like, we already know that one of the weakness that we have is the money, is financial things. And, and for example, Costa Rica is doing very well, but it's also because Costa Rica is going, it, 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 they went to different World Cups, right? And if you go to a World Cup, you have some money for girls, for beach, um, soccer, um, and all that stuff. So focus in the different countries that don't have the same possibilities like Panama or Costa Rica, they, they are closer, um, Mexico, United States, Canada, thinking about the Caribbean side, you or the organization like FIFA, how you can um, improve these projects without that money? Uh, and 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 so we're so so the program tries to develop as much as they can uh, infrastructure wise for the, the the regions. So part of the 
regulations of forward 2.0, which is the second edition of the program was that we created a minimum requirement for each federation in terms of infrastructure. So you have $2 million to invest only if outside of infrastructure projects, only if you have the following three requirements, a functioning technical center, a national stadium and a headquarters. And we would evaluate each one of those with the federation in like a serious conversation. And then if those things were clearly up to par, then we could explore other options and projects, whether it be capacity development, national team support. But most of the federations in our region, as you can imagine, they don't, they don't complete these three criteria. So we created basically this program as a focus to help them bring them up to speed, up to par, because it's true, if we can build, you know, 10 football pitches, we're gonna get, you know, everyone playing, we're gonna be able to do those things, we're gonna develop the game and, and eventually we'll see, you know, fruit. But um, what we're trying to do, like you said, is close the gap. When and, and I want to say that because one of the examples that Diego said is like, um, when we had the, the Youth Under 20 World Cup here in Costa Rica, they, in, they put some much money in one of the stadiums, uh, Edgar Baltodano in Liberia. And mm -hmm. if you see that stadium right now, you, you cry. It's, well, it comes it's, down to something also that's in the region, Paolo. I think, you know, maintenance is something that, you know, we also stress a lot in our program. It's not just build a building to build a building. It's exactly. build it's, a building with a plan to maintain it, to work it. Exactly. Before you build the building, what's your structure? So we don't, so to give you a bit more of an idea, we don't build just to build. We actually go through a comprehensive business plan process. Uh, what are the actual needs of a federation? What can they actually use? So it's, it's structured very precisely to make sure that we're going to achieve those measurable goals. Exactly. And that, that is the reason that I really appreciate like now with these projects that they're coming, it's not just build and go to another country, build in another country. It's, it's also explain how you can manage that place, how you can put together these plans, how you can improve the youth soccer and all this stuff. Well, I think, you know, we want football to be truly global. We want FIFA to be truly global. So the fact that we have these offices is so we're going to constantly be here for the federations. You know, I speak to Diego very frequently. If anything, he knows he can call me. He doesn't have to wait for somebody in Zurich to wake up mm -hmm. for something. You know, he says, oh, I'm going to call Derek and see how, you know. So what we've tried to do is, is really do that. When I guess uh, another, another big thing between like so, some divides between like the Caribbean and uh, Central America, North America. How 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 do you kind of convince? I'd say the 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 baseball nations to to invest in in uh, um, in soccer football because I mean when you when you think of Cuba and the DR, it's it's never gonna be soccer. It it'll it'll probably always be baseball but how do you kind of change that mindset so that's where it becomes two different things you know like uh there's the private sector that you want to get interested in with sponsorship and everything else but the people at the federation the people that run the federation they love soccer that's their business so they're getting the funds from us regardless we're not trying to deal with the government we're not trying to deal with these people to try and change the sport but we're giving the federation the tool 
to try and make the sport grow. Sure, we're going to help them through other ways. We'll give them courses. We'll do programs. We'll do all sorts of things, but we're giving them the tools to do it. Um, it's hard. It's difficult to be, you know, for, to go from, you know, different sports to different sports, but that's the challenge the Federation has. And, and, and we're giving them the tools to do so. Um, I think on a, I think the difference there that you're saying between baseball, cricket, or, or football, I mean, at a certain point it becomes cultural. Um, for example, here in Panama, um, I grew up playing baseball and then at a certain age, I switched to football, to football, no? Um, and in the seventies and eighties, we were very big in sixties and seventies, we were really big into boxing. Um, and then it's kind of just, I think in the last two decades, um, I think specifically maybe after FIFA's 2002 world cup, there was a spike in the region in, in sports and the like for football and soccer. And I think a lot of that has to do with television rights and television exposure. Um, so that's really changed it. Um, Powell comes from a 100% footballized country. So I don't think she's so, so every time I go there, I realize everyone is either like Saprisa or like these people really like, that's when you see it, they live it. And then you see Panama and it's, hmm, it's not there yet. So it's, it's interesting. I think, yeah, you, you, I guess here in the U.S., you start to see that change now between whether it might not be the MLS because I, I think Liga MX is the, the biggest league in the U.S. even, yeah. even with it. Uh, but like you, you start seeing a, a lot more interest in uh, soccer than you've ever seen before over this pa- over these past, I'd say, 10, 15 years. I think something really cool about the U.S. that we can actually now sort of pick up on since 94 and since the start of the MLS in the late 90s is we're going to see these second and third generation, maybe like Latinos um, that are also like American um, that are that are into soccer because they grew up with those roots from their parents. Mm -hmm. And you know that they're going to, you know, it's going to be it's going to start down generation and generation. That's how it begins. Yeah. And I, I think we're, we're definitely seeing it now with a lot of now you're getting a lot of attention on the news, whether a, a player will either choose the U.S. or Mexico when you get yeah. called up for the national team and how, how much it, it'll it'll change perceptions of, of the national right. team. So it, it's, it's really nice to see because, I mean, uh, just being able to, to grow the game even though it's been in the U S for a long time, just grow the popularity of the sport. And um, considering that the infrastructure is there and if people want to pick it up, then they can do it. They it's can, incredible. They can do it. which, which is, which is uh, something that uh, the U S is very grateful to have because, because of that. Well, you know, something I've always thought it's very interesting about the U S versus the rest of the world. The U S sees soccer as a, suburban sport i guess mm-hmm. while the rest of the world treats soccer as an urban sport right and that's really like where you see this huge difference as opposed to like basketball football it, it, you know it's more yeah it's more urban so that's when you really see the difference i think yes this is one of the best examples to say the first thing that we said is like you have to have like infrastructure and good players and here in costa rica maybe we have a good players but we don't have infrastructure infrastructure and we are working on that. And U.S. it's the other way around. Yeah. Or they're getting there. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I think I think uh, we're we're in the mind. Champions of League thinking, winner. 
it's yeah. already coming it's coming yeah yeah coming and and when it's coming we have to be prepared and that's <laughs> the reason that living here in in a little country but big country in in, in soccer in football whatever is like we have to do something different right now because if not it's going to be the same thing like mexico like we cannot well you need to you also need to think that there's also changes coming in the world cup structure mm-hmm. like right now it's right now there's a certain amount of teams but then we're going to grow so yeah. it's not going to be three and a half spaces come 2026 mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. the pot because the pie is becoming bigger yeah yeah and people are getting more slices so that that's going to be growth as well yeah and i think one of the 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 things that i'm very happy about what is coming what is coming for the next 10 years in in the area is like we're gonna have a big important youth world cup here in costa rica the next year uh and so we can have exposed people. And also we're gonna have the World Cup in the United States and Mexico. So they are two big uh, tournaments that they are gonna improve more of the soccer. And I know like United States, maybe football is not the best or the, 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 the first option for the United States, but I know the people from there. It's like, oh, we're gonna have a World Cup it's gonna be my first option in the next five years or six years or eight years. So um, I think that two tournaments is gonna to grow up a lot uh, because we are uh, a little but big confederation and you're gonna, we're gonna see these changes. And it's not just talking about boys and girls, right? Like we said at the beginning, is talking about this business that is very important for both. Um, so I think and very happy to to hear all <laughs> projects or all these thoughts that we had in this conversation because they are coming big big things for for us. Yeah, they're huge things. Is is and we're excited. We're excited to see the stuff being done and seeing the growth. And I think that's something that's really rewarding too. I think to tie this back when you asked me what I started this for. Um, I think at the end of the day, you feel good because you know you're doing something to grow a sport, to make people's lives better and change things. So I think that might tie things there. Yeah, you can change people with, with the game, right? You and, and it, they, they can the game like everything, the whole package that we're talking. Yeah. We're given um, more infrastructure to do sports. We are giving more people studying because I always said when I play soccer, I was one of the few girls who study, right? And I was like, if you study, it's more easier to play soccer. It's like, why? <laughs> easier. It's easier. You think. You think. Uh, you use everything. You use strategic math. I don't know. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Important to do that, um, and it's not just put the ball because here in Costa Rica, like you say, it's easy to see people playing soccer. Every, I don't know if Bradley was here here in Costa Rica, but any any place in Costa Rica is like two or three streets. We have a, a church. Uh, pitch. Iglesia. <laughs> una iglesia, una pulperia. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the bar but 
It's true. And it's, it's it, true, it's true. And one of the things that I want to say, like, I'm so glad to hear when people talk about Costa Rica, always say Saprisa. <laughs> <laughs> bueno, yo soy morado por Machado. Oh. <laughs> Raleigh is from, Raleigh also loves Saprisa, so I'm so happy. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm from Saprisa because why not? <laughs> yeah. too, yeah. Well, I, I guess uh, besides just like those two massive tournaments that'll help the region out with how, how do you view like the 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 new the new women's league in uh in CONCACAF and how how that is kind of bringing um more uh I'd, I'd bring a bigger spotlight on on We're the women's game I'm super excited I'm super excited <laughs> for the women's league I'm super excited for the stuff that CONCACAF has brought uh to change women's soccer I'm really excited for the Women's Gold Cup. I think that's going to be something completely different for, for America, for the teams. Um, I've noticed that there's a lot of like privatized tournaments being done in the States with like ICC women where they'll bring like Barcelona teams or PSG. So I think the fact that, you know, we're going to do maybe, or CONCACAF is going to do a Women's Gold Cup. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, that has me really excited. Um, I'm excited to see the women's game grow because I think there's tremendous potential in the region. And one of the things that we were talking, it's like sometimes in, in our eyes, right? No, like uh, we're, we are studying for being professional in this, but in our eyes, like, a, like fans, uh, sometimes we feel like uh, FIFA forget the women's CONCACAF. Why? Because at the, at the end, we have the World Cup champion and we have the, the World Cup champion too. So we are good, right? But at the end, we are not good. It's, it's just that difference that we have. So I think with this tournament, um, we're gonna see more and we're gonna expose more and, and we're gonna see in what area we have to work. Um, well, I think- one of the challenges we have also in the region, Pao, is, is it's a cultural thing too, huh? We have to be quite honest. It's not the same to get, you know, girls to play football in the States as it would be to get, you know, people in El Salvador, Honduras. It's, it's very different culturally. And there's a lot of stigma to it, which, which is, you know, what we have to break and what we're working on and what our women development programs are working on right now. So I think that it's something that has to come with time just given the current context and how the world is changing so predominantly and so much for the better, um, that that's kind of how it, it's just going to take time. Yeah, but I think that, that this kind of tournament, it's going to open the eyes, not just yeah. for, it's going to open the eyes for everyone. I, I, I cannot forget like 10 years, 10 years is nothing, right? 10 years we played in Costa Rica with the... Um, Uniformes, how do you say that? With the jerseys, yeah, uniforms. The boys, uh, we train um, at 10 p.m. Uh, with our lights, or we have to train. Uh, I don't know in a bad condition. Yeah, no, I, I completely. I know. I've seen the conditions. I know the conditions. Yeah, um, but when we start going, uh, went to youth World Cups and all this stuff, the culture is starting like changing it changes with this tournament 
countries is like, oh, we have to get better, right? Uh, we have to to improve our league or we have to do something. We have to search uh, sponsors. We have to get better at the league. We have to search people who love women's football too. Um, so I think it's very interesting how this, again, gonna open. And I think it's now our responsibility change this new uh, paradigm. Bradley, how do you say paradigm in English? Paradigm. paradigm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. <laughs> I, I, I think I think you kind of start to see that kind of cultural shock and cultural change in the U.S., especially for the men's side of the game. I, I during the the lead up to the Russian World Cup, when I, I I'd say a lot of people took going to the World Cup for granted. Um, and sorry that that's a very special moment for me yeah <laughs> yes uh roman torres uh, scoring the goal is an amazing uh, yeah watching that was amazing i i'd say but on on the on the on the u.s side it was more of like yeah oh yeah we, 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 we could we can just we can make it to any any tournament now because yeah. we we've been to uh, a fair amount in the in the past, and we we can easily just walk through uh, Trinidad and uh, make it out. Um, but once that once that changed, um, I think people started to really open their eyes and look at how can we improve the game uh, on the men's side because the women's side is amazing and it's amazing all they're they're always going to be in the world cup and they're always going to be competing 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 um that's exactly right so making making an under having that understanding of like we need to grow from the grow from the youth up uh instead of just like cherry picking um the talent good talent yeah well i think um this year is going to be interesting, uh, definitely. I'm looking forward to next week's uh, qualifiers. Uh, it's interesting to see what the U.S. is going to come with. They're coming from winning the uh, the Gold Cup. Mexico had had a great Olympics. Honduras had a good Olympics as well. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see like what teams are bringing. Um, that's going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, especially the U.S. that I think is looking out for revenge. I think that everyone has Taylor Twelman's rent. <laughs> yeah. Paste it across uh, the locker rooms, so I think it's going to be interesting. Scared, right? <laughs> Costa Rica is a little bit scared about what it's going to happen, but it's going to be fine. Talking about this, um, one of the 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 news around uh, Europe and all the stuff is the Facebook famous pandemic about COVID, and yeah. how like like working in this area, um, it's the, the limita limitations we're gonna have with the boys starting with pandemic and all this stuff. Um, it's gonna, do you think, how can I explain this? Do you think it's gonna be really um, affected? How do you say that? I'm an español and I can answer you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, from what I grasp, I think countries that are having difficulties uh, filling stadiums due to restrictions in the government 
are going to feel it in their pockets. Um, I know Costa Rica released the pricing for their match against Jamaica and New Mexico, and it was something um, that the public wasn't used to. Um, but I think it's justified because they can only allow 3,000 people in as opposed to other federations, which are working with an 80% capacity stadium, but you have to be fully vaccinated. So when you start looking at this and then you start thinking to the past World Cup qualifiers where I think Costa Rica put the whole hexagonal on sale as a package for Russia and it sold out in a week. Mm-hmm. So they had cash flow, um, you know, perfect, right? Now I think every federation is being affected by the pandemic to the point where where we get our revenue or the revenue stream comes from is, is a live match. You know, some federations per home game are picking up between a quarter of a million dollars to half a million dollars. Now all of a sudden to to not count on that, it's it's really it's really something because it costs a lot of money to move a football team. To go and play an away game costs a lot, a lot of money. And we have to support, like, here in Costa Rica, I think uh, we have uh, a difficult situation because our economy and our political and social um, things move around soccer. And how is yeah. that? Like, Costa Rica, if Costa Rica wins, we know the next day, the gas can be up and everybody pay. So soccer is very important for a country that um, we have to be very carefully, but also we have the pandemic, like also we have all the hospital full capacity and all this stuff. So I understand my federation to put like $200 for game, um, but I know also like play with 3000 people, per, it's gonna be a thing, right? and go to Mexico and play with 80%, it's going to be so different. So it's going to be interesting. But it's been the theme for over a year for everyone in the professional league. So at the same time, it's not that new to these players, but it is something new to the federation that only generates funds apart from sponsorship through matches. When, I guess when you, when you look at, um, I mean, now I, I I I always get the the U.S. Uh, ticket allocation emails saying like yeah. oh, you're you're up, you're up for like uh, buying tickets and I look at the price and a lot of people don't understand that that's not that's how they're gonna have to make money nowadays because they didn't have this income for over a year and you have to pay them. The U.S. is a federation that plays numerous games during yeah. the FIFA window. I mean, they're always booked and they're booked against top talent. That's television revenue. That's all sorts of things that, you know, they can't count on. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I, I just had an, uh, another question because sure. uh, obviously like the pandemic has hit and now I, I, I uh, like big news this week out of like, England and Spain is not allowing uh, teams to release their players. How, how, yep. how have you been, how, how has CONCACAF and FIFA kind of been dealing with that kind of thing? Because so you're not having- we had, we had a regulation in place um, till about March, April for those windows where um, players that had to do a quarantine of over five days on time they returned to clubs 
would not have to be lent out. So that was in place. Now it's obviously changed. Um, and it becomes something that's out of the hand. It becomes something that's political. I mean, if the UK government is saying, look, if you come back from South America, you have to do 14 days of quarantine. It's just the law. I understand where a club is coming from. At the end of the day, you're going to lose a player for 10 days at a World Cup window, and then you're going to lose them for another 14 because of quarantine. Um, sorry, but if you put that into perspective for somebody like uh, Jimenez that plays in Wolverhampton and he has to go represent Mexico for three World Cup qualifiers, it's not really fair to Wolverhampton. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a hard decision. Also, uh, we were talking, I don't know where, but it's like... Uh, when when you have a letter that you have to represent your country it's supposed like it's your first option always right that's right but right now things exactly right now country doesn't pay your salary yeah don't forget that exactly and that things i think we have well i'm i'm not in that position but i think fifa have to start changing the 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 article that you don't have to, right, in this situation. Um, well, in this situation, we're managing as as it comes. No, sad. this is unknown to anybody. We know, nobody knew about a pandemic, but in this case, it's case by case. And I know our, the competition department works day and night answering emails on this stuff. And they've done a really good job. It's obviously a sensitive issue still. Um, hopefully by next semester, things will be more more clear we won't have these types of complications but i think it just varies it, it's come to a point where it's government entities and, I and think we don't get involved with FIFA government entities yes and fans have to understand like it's it's the money that you leave so you have yeah to i mean for us to go to the match next week um against you guys <laughs> yeah. um we have to have like our QR codes uh, scanned to make sure we've had both vaccines. You know, we have to register on the government website. Um, and that's basically, you're gonna, they're going to have government officials scanning people at the door, their QR codes, and it just pulls up your vaccine record. And that's basically how Panama is handling their, their next match. And their pricing strategy was is very diverse. Um, their highest price ticket is $50. Yeah. It's very interesting. Well, we are, it's so pretty time to uh, to close the podcast and oh, we yeah. love to, to, to finish with something that you uh, think that love to the conversation or something that we wanted to start working on in our case, uh, because one of the reasons that at the beginning we said it's not just talking about football, it's also learn more about our confederation and start working when we finish always or call. So uh, we do this like little exercise. Um, so Raleigh, do you want to start with this? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really, I really like bringing up the, the, the changing of the cultural um, outlook on, on soccer. And no matter if it's like a, a small uh, Central American country to like, us and canada um just making that making that switch in your mind saying that like oh we can compete in soccer uh whether it be men or women um and giving them opportunities to to flourish will 
will only see positive uh there will only be positives out of it because you're you're giving them the opportunity to to do something that is one really fun to play and uh two uh and uh, like uh i'd say like a, a window to the world to to communicate with everyone around awesome yeah without a doubt Derek, what yes about this conversation <laughs> i think i'm surprised at how the concept the idea um that you said with the people you've spoken to across uh your podcast and even with other people of infrastructure and growth and impact uh is a constant theme um I think back to maybe when I did my master's and the stuff that I was going through, um, how much has changed from then to now speaking to you guys. Um, the themes are the same, but they're more precise and things have been more key points have been identified on what things need to be worked on. So I like to say that everything's moving in the right direction. At least I feel that way. Growth is happening. It just takes time and we have to understand that. Um, people forget that world football was rocked by corruption in 2015 and everything hit the reset button. Um, so we're kind of like maybe just going back into the right direction. It's only been what, almost eight years eventually by 22. So. I love the, well, that last thing that you say, like we reset uh, like eight years ago, and I love it that we are in the same page. I love that we talk about process and believing the process is always important. And now I think we already have the infrastructure in some of the countries, and now we have to start working in how we're gonna do it, how we're gonna take care, and how we're gonna take bad things, not just to have a beautiful place, it's also, um, uh, take that opportunity to grow like a like a country, like a confederation, and at the end, um, the the business of football is gonna grow like like a whole. And I think um, talk with people who is a new new faces, new generation make me feel like uh, we have a future, and we are doing very good things. And in personal thing, it's like. Uh, make me feel happy that I take a good decision to come to come again for soccer. So I'm very happy to have this conversation. Again, all the people who listen to us in our podcast, remember, follow us in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and share our content. Thank you so much. That was Tika and Gringo talking about football. Thank you.